Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be here with Austin Herlihy, who's Executive Vice President of Radius Commercial Group. And Austin, this is really going to be a great conversation because you and I talk, you know, every once in a while about whatever sort of, you know, hot um, real estate issues going on, and I might be writing about it. But we've got some real exciting times going on right now uh, on State Street, downtown, lower State Street. And I just want to kick it off with uh, with uh, having a conversation with you about, uh, you know, what's happened, the news, the recent news with the Indigo Hotel and this big sale. And what does this mean? Um, Austin, welcome. Let's talk right there. What's going on with with the sale of this hotel? Well, I think. Um... You know, each each seller has different reasons for selling. And um, but I would say just as from a general standpoint, I think what's happened is um, that a lot of the hotel owners that survived COVID, you know, it was a tough time for hotels. And then the market kind of surged back. And I think a lot of hotel owners at one time were probably looking at the value of their hotel during COVID thinking, oh my gosh, I just lost 50% of the value of my property. No one's ever going to go in a hotel ever again and so forth. Then as COVID has kind of loosened up or we live with it or whatever it is, travel has, has actually been strong. And certainly, you know, regionally from Los Angeles and San Francisco and so forth, but we've seen a, an increase in average daily rate occupancy. And, you know, basically in a matter of a couple months, hotels regained all their value and, and maybe even a little bit more. <clears throat> and I think that some owners are probably thinking, you know, that was a pretty risky time. I remember how, how, how difficult that time was. And, and um, if I can get out right now and buy a leased investment property that has a 10 or 20 year lease on it versus having an operating business, you know, maybe, maybe this is the time to do it if I get a, a strong number. And so we're seeing that kind of across the board. And then you couple that with what's going on in the economy right now with inflation. And we're seeing, you know, 7% inflation here. And hotels are really your best hedge to inflation because you can adjust your rate nightly. And so typically hotels ride inflation better than in any other asset class. If you're buying a, you know, an industrial building with a long-term lease, you're usually capped with, you know, 3% annual rent adjustments or 5% or whatever. But, you know, if inflation starts to take off, then the landlord's capped on, on their income and hotels are, are certainly a better vehicle for that. So we had this big uh, transaction that you were recently involved with the uh, Hotel Indigo downtown, 100 block of State Street. Tell me about why that was significant and that's a big deal for Santa Barbara. Well, I think, you know, the whole emergence of the Funkstone and Lower State Street, I mean, ever since we sold the uh, Hotel Californian development project and um, that was it, that was it, you know, I'm just go back a ways, but that was an interesting time because the funk zone didn't even exist then. And when Michael Rosenfeld bought the hotel project and everyone kind of felt like this thing's really going to happen after 20 years of, of levy uh, um, not being able to develop it, 
then you saw before the hotel was ever even developed, you saw a bunch of owners buying land around it. <clears throat> and hence, you know, the funk zone was created. There was always, it was always called the funk zone. I mean, for probably 10 years before that, but you didn't see a bunch of restaurants and stuff like that. And now it's really become the hotspot. And the irony is, is that it's really the biggest draw for the hotel, certainly for the Californian and the Indigo. And both of these existed or, or the Indigo existed prior to the Californian and prior to the funk zone as well. And, and, and in fact, the Indigo probably suffered during construction and all that time. But since, you know, you have the Roma Santos that had, that had built their piece and then you have the Californian and you have the Indigo and then you have all the, um, the great retail and stuff right now. Um, it, Austin, it, Austin that, oh, there we go. Good. I yeah, say we lost sorry, your camera. Good. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, it, it, it's really changed, you know, the, the market down there and it's created a ton of demand, um, from LA hotel owners, San Francisco, New York. I mean, we had so much interest in this hotel. It was crazy. I think the other thing is also this hotel was under $20 million. So, you know, wealthy individuals could still purchase it. It wasn't just institutional type you know, or billionaires or something like that. Like the, like when we sold the Californian, you know, that, that's, that's not some mom and pop or, or someone that could, could buy a hotel like that. Right. I mean, that's, that takes, you know, institutional capital and so forth. So, um, but yeah, the, 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 I think all of those things coupled together created, you know, a lot of demand for the hotel. And I, I think there was something like what 19 offers or something like that. And, and, and just a lot of interest and, and you were able to close the deal really quickly. How new is that? Was, has it ever been like that for the hotel industry? Not that I know of. Um, we had 11 offers, but we, I, I'm sure we probably could have had 20, but I think people started to realize pretty quickly that it was going to be a dogfight. And um, a lot of guys just said, hey, I'm not going to jump in in this deal and, and try to get it. And, um, so yeah, I have, I have not seen 11 offers on a property before. Um, it certainly doesn't make things easier, <laughs> right? Selecting a buyer is, uh, is a lot more challenging. And, and so this, this particular deal with, they, we went on the market, like in first week of November and we had a call for offers pretty quickly because ownership really wanted to try to sell by the end of the year because of all the uh, potential capital gains going up in uh, 2022. So that helped us in selecting the, the buyer that, that eventually bought it was because we needed someone that could pay cash and close pretty quickly. And um, quite honestly, uh, my partner, Chris Parker did an incredible job. He really, I was actually out on my, my honeymoon and um, my, partner did an incredible job along with um the owner's legal counsel michael cage he was incredible as well and um it was just a, it was a great team effort to get it closed so let's talk a little bit about the funk zone and lower state street what is it about the appeal you know somebody who's looking to buy a hotel who can spend you know under 20 million dollars for it 
what is it about kind of, you know, I don't know if this is the right term. It's sort of an urban hotel. You know, it's, it's near people, it's near restaurants, it's near businesses, as opposed to like those hotels on Cabrillo Boulevard or those hotels that are sort of like, you know, far away from where people are at that are sort of like resorts or, you know, destinations with these great views. What is it about, you know, somebody who wants to buy a hotel what is it about the funk zone and lower state street that appeals to them? Well, I think it's just the proximity and being able to walk to everything. And, you know, some people come up, they take the train up, get off, walk to the hotel. They can spend all weekend without getting in a car. They can rent bikes. And as you know, Santa Barbara has a lot of Hills and that area is pretty flat, right? And you can ride bikes to the Harbor. You can ride bikes over to, you know, now we have that, that new, um, East Beach restaurant. I can't remember what it's called, but um, the Indian Kitchen, yeah, right. And then you have the Funk Zone right there, and and you know you could do a couple different um, wine tasting, and then you've got some great restaurants. I mean, Lakita just got a Michelin star. Um, the Lark obviously is great. You've got Santo Mescal's, one of my favorite restaurants, and then you have um, Carlos's new concept. I'm blanking on right now. That's over on Cabrillo. Um, and so it's really, you know, for somebody that wants to come up for a weekend, it's, it's nice. And, and I think the thing, you know, versus, you know, the Californians, a different experience, obviously that's a five-star hotel. It's much more expensive. I think the other thing that a lot of people liked about the Indigo is it's the cheaper version in the same location, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? It, you know, it's dramatically cheaper, right. Than, than what the, the Californian is. And so, from a value standpoint, it's a, it's a good value for, yeah. for, for the consumer, right. To, to pay two or $300 a night versus six or $700 a night, but you're in the exact same location as the guy that's paying, you know, <laughs> six, $700 a night. Right. But now, you don't have all the amenities that the Californian has and you don't have, you know, the rooms aren't nearly as big and nice and beautiful and that sort of stuff. But I when think you walk for outside, people, it's very similar. Yeah. It's the same. Right. Thing. Exactly. Now, uh, you, I know you talked about who's going to run this. You know, you have, what can you tell me sort of about what the Indigo Hotel is going to be? I think the language was it was going to be maybe a branded hotel or an independent operator. Um, I know we don't actually know who purchased it yet, but what can you say about what kind of hotel it's going to be? Um, the truth is, I don't know. I, I think that, um, I think they're looking at both of their options. So they're, they're the, one of the other reasons why the uh, ownership partnership decided to sell the hotel was the franchise agreement with uh, Indigo is up in February. So you're able to, to make those decisions as to, you know, rebranding it or going on your, you know, your own boutique name or something like that. And so the new owners, I think are looking at both options. And my guess is they're probably, you know, negotiating with a couple brands and also looking at um, running it themselves. Okay. I don't and, know that they've made a decision yet. <clears throat> okay. So let's talk about like what in the context of what has been the story for, you know, media writes about it, politicians, the activists, the business community, everybody has sort of opinion of State Street and what's been happening with sort of the, you know, the vacancies, the turnover, commercial real estate. There's a lot of stuff going on that 
<laughs> plays into this narrative of State Street in transition that um, there's something needs to sort of happen to sort of make it better, you know, depending on what block you're in. And obviously we had the pandemic of outdoor dining. It's really revitalized some of those blocks. Some of those blocks are just packed with people. And, uh, you know, it's fun to be out there. Uh, not every block has experienced that kind of benefit, largely depending on what kind of use, you know, it is. Can you talk, I mean, you are an expert in this. You know this stuff better than all of the spectators do. I mean, you're you're on the ground. You're knowledgeable. Um, what's your take on State Street right now and and and, and its appeal or you know, its growth, its challenge areas? I mean, what do you think of it? Well, I like that they've. I don't know if you want to call it shut it down or opened up. I like I like that its current state. However, I think it needs to be refined. I think it it needs to have more of a uniform. You know, you can't just have people building, you know, hodgepodgey, you know, different decks and things like that. I mean, Santa Barbara takes a lot of pride in its architecture. You know, it is in the Pueblo Vieja district and it should be beautiful. But I do like the concept of it. I don't think it needs to go past Carrillo Street. I think um, keeping it shut down between Haley and Carrillo is, is probably the right thing. And then I think they should probably open it up pass there but that that's my own personal belief I, I think um it certainly made it a more vibrant feel um in a time when the 500 block was really really struggling prior to that and you know i, I hope that you know whatever is going to happen with the mall and i don't know um but we've got to figure out something there should be i think i think there should be you know concerts on Thursday nights. I think there should be a lot of different things going on to draw people down there. And I also think the city is doing a good job at, at, at you know, pushing housing down there. I think uh, I read an article yesterday about uh, Governor Newsom is now going to be pushing housing in, in core downtown areas. Um, I think housing will help that. <clears throat> but uh, I also think the city needs to relax a little, maybe relax isn't the word, but they need to work with the business community a lot better. And I think uh, Randy coming in is going to make a, a difference. I, at least I hope it does. I, I know that Randy wants to, and um, but it, it's not a very friendly environment um, when you know some small mom and pop risks their life to open up a store on State Street and sign on the lease personally and all these different things. And it takes them 13 months to get a, a tenant improvement permit. Mm -hmm, yeah. Right. I mean, the, the, whoever these people are out there, you know, living the American dream, starting a business and trying to, um, you know, make a living for their family and, and do something for the community. And, and it shouldn't take that long. And, and, you know, most landlords don't want to give 13 months of free rent for, <laughs> you know, for a, for a tenant to get their tenant improvement permit. And so there, you know, in lies the issue. And, and a lot of them, you know, they're struggling from day one because they're already been paying rent for six or seven months by the time they can actually open. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so the city really needs, needs to streamline uh, for local businesses. And, and, and I know they did, they passed some ordinance, you know, but I think they need to do a better job because it's interesting. I have listings out in Goleta, 
we have uh, um, the Plaza Shopping Center out in Goleta right now. We're leasing it like crazy. Uh, I think we're going to be 100% leased here shortly. Which So is that um, the one with, um, <laughs> is it the Albertsons is out there correct. and the Halloween story, store yeah, was there correct. for a while? We, yeah. IHOP's in, going in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, IHOP's going in there and we have a Planet Fitness going in there and we have a bunch of different stuff that I can't necessarily talk about yet. But and then you take a look at Coast Village Road. Coast Village Road um, made an offer for a client today on uh, on the former Kava restaurant. Okay. Uh, and my guess is they're going to have at least probably six offers on that restaurant. State Street, you're not seeing that same sort of demand. You know, and it used to be, you know, that I remember when I first got in the business, it was like, oh my gosh, I got a listing on State Street. Like, this is like amazing. I'll be able to lease this thing in a couple of weeks. And then that's not necessarily the case anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think the homeless, I, I really think the homeless issue is probably its biggest, its biggest issue because you look at the places that I just talked about and they don't have homeless people. And I think we, we've got to figure out some solution to the homeless problem because it's killing local businesses it's killing tourism and you know it's 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 going to have a massive effect on the city's revenue on on everything yeah and is it worse austin in your estimation obviously santa barbara has been um, a destination for homeless people for for a long time there's always been homeless in your experience have you seen it getting worse on state street in recent years yes 100 percent. i mean all you have to all you have to do is go sit at Joe's for lunch and you'll see some sort of spectacle, right? I mean, some guy screaming at someone and yelling at them or someone going to the bathroom on state street, or, I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, out of town investors, um, will they get that into the weeds? I mean, will they say like, Oh, Santa Barbara's got a homeless problem. We're not going to go there. We'll go somewhere else. Well, that that's an issue you're saying. Um, it's not just locals talking about it. 100%. Okay. When I was, when I was selling the Amazon building, um, we had a buyer who um, was very interested. I mean, he was like all over me. We, we got to, we want to buy this, you know, pick me up. You know, it was one of those situations it was like right before COVID and he came up and he was like, I don't want to buy that building. There's, there's like 20 homeless people, you know, surrounding in the parking lot living in the bushes etc so it it 100 does affect the values of of people's you know assets and down one thing on the amazon building just sort of bigger picture are we gonna see um, any sort of big companies coming back downtown i mean we've lost Saks fifth avenue we lost you know I guess Marshall's is there. They're kind of a, a chain. Um, are we, are we ever going to see that switch where we see sort of those, those marquees, obviously Nordstrom's in the mall, but they left where we see those marquee icon brands coming downtown or that that's over. It's all about sort of smaller spaces, experiential, you know, restaurants, uh, unique retail. I mean, are we ever going to see that trend shift in your estimation estimation? I, I don't think you're ever going to see any big boxes really coming back into town. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't see that. I think, um, 
Um, I think there's a very good chance that we could see some some big household name tech companies come and, and move into town. You know, um, really, Galita and um, Carpinteria, the reason their office and industrial market exists is because Santa Barbara never had the footprint big enough to house companies, right? And so you'd get to a certain size and then you'd have to go out to Galita or down to Carpinteria because there just aren't buildings big enough to, to support Yardi or Appfolio or Appeal or, you know, any of these bigger companies, Procore, right? And so they have to move out of the area. This is the very, this is the very first time, I mean, other than when we leased the SACs to Amazon, but now you have an opportunity with a lot of square footage. And I think you could see some companies move in and convert that space to office space. And I think if that happens, I think it would be a good thing because then you have all these tech companies or whatever type of company it would be, you know, downtown, right? And those people are walking to lunches and they're going after work to get dinner and a beer or something like that and shopping and maybe they'll pick up, you know, some clothes or whatever it is. And I think that will help all of the surrounding retail around it. But right now we just have, you know, a big hole over there. Yeah. Quick thing on Amazon. Obviously, they came, they they moved downtown, and then the pandemic hit. Uh, yeah. There was some talk about, oh, they're gonna you know increase the cost of real estate. Um, is Amazon good for downtown? Bad for downtown? What can you say about having such a huge brand company, office workers, and the pandemic, of course, affected all that. But um, you know, are they ultimately going to be good for downtown and real estate? I think so. Yeah. I think it's, I think they're going to be really good for downtown. I think you have, um, you're going to have a, eventually when these offices all reopen, but you're going to have a ton of, um, you know, high paid jobs, you know, downtown. Um, a lot of them are young people that want to ride bikes. They're not really uh, focused on cars and stuff like that. They have a huge bike racking system and stuff like that. And, <clears throat> I think, you know, you're going to probably start seeing a trend of that uh, once we kind of get through this COVID issue. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about you, Austin. Uh, you sound like you've been around Santa Barbara a while. You you know a lot. What, how did you, can you tell me your story and how did you get into, how did you get to Santa Barbara and get into commercial real estate? Well, I came here to go to school. Um, and while I was finishing up at UCSB, I was, I had always raced sailboats professionally, or I didn't race them professionally at the time, but then I started, um, it just kind of morphed into this thing where my passion turned into something where I was, um, making money doing something that I really loved to do. And so I was traveling around the world sailing, but my goal, you know, all through my life, I really wanted to get into commercial real estate. And I took this little path, uh, over and, and did a bunch of sailing all over the world and met some interesting people. And when I, I got to a certain point where I was, I was ready to, I was getting married and having kids. And I knew that that, that wasn't for me. And I was like, I, I really want to do what I, my original dream was, which was to do commercial real estate. And um, a friend of mine knew Steve Brown at Radius Group <clears throat> and set up a, a meeting with Steve and I, and um, met with Steve, and I said, "Hey, Steve, uh, 
you know, I'd really want to get into commercial real estate and this and that. And he said, Oh, you know, and Steve's like the godfather of, of commercial real estate for Santa Barbara. He's one of the most respected guys and he was my mentor and, and really just a great human being. And Steve said to me, he goes, look, you should go to LA for a couple of years and then come back and, and talk to me. And I'm like, uh, I was kind of discouraged. So I left and um, I went home and I was like, gosh, I really, this is, I kind of felt like this guy was the guy I wanted to work under. And I, and I saw this opportunity. And so I said, I wrote him back and I said, I want to meet with you again. And so I went back in and I said, I don't think you get it. I really want to do this. Um, I know I don't have any experience, but this is, this is what I want to do. And I want to, I want to work under you. I can tell you're the kind of guy I want to work for. And he goes, look, Austin, I, I, I appreciate it. You know, I can see you're, you're really passionate about it. I just don't even have the time to, to take, to even show you what to do and all these sort of things. And he's like, just go, go learn for a couple of years and come back and talk to you, talk to me. So I went home all discouraged and talked to my dad and my dad's like, you got some money saved up. Right. And I was like, yeah. And uh, he goes, and you know, you could figure out a job description that you could do right away without him having to, um, you know, hold your hand all the time, which it was clearly was probably Steve's concern. And so I called some of my friends in the commercial real estate business down in LA and, and got their, they called junior guys in commercial real estate runners. And I got their job description. And so I just showed up to Steve's office one day for the third time. And I said, look, Steve, I, I don't think you're taking me seriously enough here. This is what I want to do. I want to work for you. Here's a job description of the things that I can do right away to help you. And I'll work for free for six months. And in six months, if you don't, if you don't think I'm worth it, you can cut, cut me loose and no hard feelings. And he looked at me and he goes, he really wore me down. I'll, I'll, I'll see you for lunch tomorrow. And, <laughs> and that's how I got my job. And, wow. and from that point, I think in like maybe like three months into it, I had uh, closed uh, a land deal that, you know, brought in pretty, pretty good sized check. And he looked at me and he's like, I think this is going to work, you know? And, uh, so Steve and I worked together for, we still work together. We just sold the, um, the former Penfield and Smith building together, but we worked, you know, he was my mentor and really taught me everything that I know. Um, and, you know, we worked together for 12 or 13 years and then, Subsequently, Chris and I kind of spun off and and are doing our own thing now. Wow. So persistence pays off. You showed him. Huh? He didn't need to go to L.A. to be successful. <laughs> I, I don't know if I showed him or he showed me, but I think it was a little bit of both. <laughs> now, uh, you said you came here for school. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Coronado down in San Diego. Okay. So the end. Is that the island, Coronado? Is that is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, what did your parents do? My dad was in real estate. Um, my grandfather was in real estate. My uncle's in real estate. So, we, we kind of come from a real estate family. What is it about real estate? I mean, obviously, if you're successful, it's you know it's a lucrative industry. So, but I mean, you also gotta love what you do. It's it's hard work. You just aren't out there like you know 
<clears throat> closing deals every day. You, there's a lot right. that goes into it that is not glorious, you know, that people don't see. What do you like about it? I think in my mind, um, in my mind, it's simple to understand. You know, you're not coming up with some algorithm for, you know, some new speaker, iPhone or whatever. Real estate, in my mind, I can get my head around it and I can understand you buy a building for this, you lease it for this, you can sell it for this. It's not, I mean, some people might think it's rocket science. It's not. (laughs) And I love the simplicity of it. Um, The business can be tough. I, I won't say that, you know, there's, there's definitely been moments where I've felt you know, pretty beaten up and you work really hard on, on something for, you know, a year, two years, sometimes. I mean, a lot of the deals, especially if you're working on development deals, which I've done a lot of, you know, you put in a ton of time and then you see it fizzle away and it's deflating, right? I mean, it's defeating. You're, you're, you're really get discouraged. Like I just worked on this for so long. I never made a single dime on it. So you have to have thick skin and you've got to keep a positive outlook to to really make it work and how much of it is uh people skills too i would imagine with residential real estate you know there's so much of that personality and you know your clients got to like you and you got to click and you know it's like this team you're doing it together um commercial real estate is it is it like that i mean do you need to get along with your clients you know it's very different mm-hmm. I, I, I think um, there's very, I mean, it's funny that people think, you know, just because it's real estate, it's somewhere, but it, 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 it's very different. I mean, you, you have to, you have to know a lot of information because that's really the value that you bring as a broker to your client is because most of my clients don't need my handholding on, you know, what to do in a purchase and sale agreement and, you know, all these different things. What they want is they want market information and they want someone that they trust and then they make the decision. Right. I mean, it's not like in a, in residential when you're, you know, probably holding someone's hand in their first home buy or, or whatever, you know, it's, it's a nerve wracking experience. I'm dealing with professionals and really my jobs to get information and, give them accurate information that they can make sound business, you know, decisions on. And then your reputation comes by how accurate that, that information is and how you provide it to people, because that's, that's what they use to make their, their business decisions. Yeah. Let's uh, let's kind of wrap up and come full circle. Uh, You know, you, you mentioned how hotels, you know, they're sort of safe from inflation because, they can raise the room rates, you know, um, city of Santa Barbara is taking in more TOT tax. Um, and it's obviously cause we're re- rebounded a lot from the pandemic, but also the rates are higher than they were like 2019 or something. Um, looking out ahead, right. I mean, how hot can the hotel industry be? And for, for how long, like, you know, use your commercial real estate crystal ball for us. You know, it's interesting you, you, you and I can kind of hear where you're going with it, but if you think about it, once travel starts to open up internationally, 
you're going to see a huge push of international travelers coming over here. And Santa Barbara has always been a massive destination for Europeans. Mm-hmm. It just is. And so I think there's going to be a, a whole nother wave. And I think once you start getting corporate events back and so forth, I, I think the hotel industry has, has some legs in it. Yeah. And uh, this, the local stuff, the homeless issue, we have a new mayor, you touched on that. Um, is that a harder, longer term issue to solve? Um, you know, what's, how optimistic are you that we're going to all be in sync here about what the future of State Street is going to be? Not very optimistic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't, you know, it's interesting to me that I, I kind of view homelessness as probably one of the biggest issues we have in our country. Mm-hmm. And you look at like our country and how divided we are politically, right? Yet you don't hear a Republican stance on homelessness. You don't hear a Democrat's stance on homelessness. No one wants to touch it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and really, I think it's the biggest issue we have and we got to figure it out. I don't, I don't know how, you know, I, I'm not, you know, smart enough to probably figure all of that out. And, um, I, and I'm not, well-equipped in understanding the laws that people have as far as rights and so forth, but someone needs to, to dive into this. And, and I think if someone can figure it out in a way that's humane, um, I think that person will be a real, a real champion for, for many communities, right? I mean, for, for Santa Barbara, for Santa Monica, for San Diego, you know, you have a lot of these issues everywhere. All right. Well, Austin, uh, Executive Vice President of Radius Commercial Group, I really appreciate your time. You're an expert on these issues, and uh, I feel a little bit smarter talking to you. Now I can have somewhat decent conversations with others now, just sort of listening to you sort of talk about the scope. So so thanks a lot, and um, enjoy your weekend. You're, gonna, you're getting away a little bit, having a little vacation. Yeah, we're, we're up in Mammoth. Uh, our family's up here and uh, can enjoy the long weekend and uh, get back to work on Tuesday. <laughs> okay, Austin. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Take care.